0: We're excited about the days we live in because I believe that these days are going to be the greatest days that we've ever seen on planet earth before. I believe that we have been set apart as a people to usher in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And for the the generations that are on earth right now are going to see the glory of God. You know, we're crying out, show me your glory, show me your glory, show me your glory. Well, guess what? He is showing us his glory and he will show us his glory and increase his glory. Just turn it down a little bit on stage. On us, amen. The scriptures say that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And the only way I can see that happening is that every Christian that is on the earth, and I'm talking about man, woman, and child, our children are in there right now right now are learning about the Holy Spirit. Next week they're going to learn about the Holy Spirit and then at the end of the service they're going to come out here we're going to lay hands on them and see them filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because every man, if every man and woman and child would carry the glory of God, then the glory of God could cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. God always chose to use people to bring forth his plan on the earth. And guess what? The good news is this. He uses ordinary people. He uses fishermen. He uses tax collectors. He uses prostitutes. He uses everyday, ordinary people to fulfill his plans on the earth. And the greatest excitement that I have is that I know that it will no longer be a spectator sport. That we will not just have churches full of Christians that come and spectate on Sundays and then go back to their lives Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But we will have Christians that come to be empowered, challenged, taught, imparted to, raised up, taught and released to go out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to bring the kingdom of God on earth. Amen so beautiful. Um, we went up to see um, Jeremy Nelson's wife, all the girls, all us girls last week. And she was telling the story how when she was 17 years old, um, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she figured, well, if I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit and the scriptures say that Jesus heals, then therefore she be able to heal. So she just started to go out into the streets and track down sick people, just looking for them. And she would chase them. Um, And if they were crippled, that'd be easy. (laughs) And she chased chase down that wheelchair. And she would pray for people at 17 years of age and people would begin to get healed. And she this is good. So she just, you know, it kept growing in her. She got to a point where God just, you know, began to tell her where to go and who to pray for. And this morning, uh, the Lord had told her to go to this certain supermarket. I think it was called Merv's. Go to Merv's supermarket and um, there's a lady that's going to be there, and I'm going to heal her today. So she rang a girlfriend up, really excited. Let's go down to Merv's. And off they went down to Merv's, her and a little girlfriend, all excited because God was going to heal someone, and out walked this lady in a w- with a walker. And um, they ran up to her and said, oh, you know, you don't look too well, you know. What's wrong with you? She said, I've had cerebral palsy since I was born. I have no feeling down this side, down my leg. My elbow is dislocated. My knee's foot the other way. My hip is disjointed um, and I can't see I can only see figures and things like that I'm just almost blind and so she said oh wow we believe God can heal you I mean if that was me cerebral palsy I'd go next you know (laughs) any headaches in the room you know sore toes anything like that um terrible pause Yeah, let's start there Woo, yeah and uh, so anyway so they just excited kids they started to pray for her and the lady you know started to feel heat go down her body and then she got really emotional because she's she had never felt touch on her skin on this side of her body and she said I can feel you touching me I can feel you touch me she got feeling back and then an elbow went in knee turned around hip popped in and she's just amazed, and they just said, "Okay, let's go for the eyes." And so they they pray for her eyes. I think that you know I can't even remember exactly the amount of times. It was four or five times they pray for eyes. Pray for eyes. Is that better? I can see a little bit? Is that pray again? Can I see see a little bit better? Pray again. You know, I would give up after the first time too. I would just go, "Oh well, God will heal you gradually at home." <laughs> you know, make some excuse like you do. Uh, embarrassed. Uh, but you know they just kept praying so we're going to stay here until your eyes get opened and then the lady just screams out I've got 2020 vision and was so excited and then these two little girls said to her you know the only thing that you need to do now is something you've never done in your whole life you know they always say do something that you couldn't do before and so they said to her have you ever run in your whole life she's like I've never run even as a child I had cerebral palsy as a baby I've never run um, they said, let's go for a run. And so she said, I'm scared. They said, we'll run with you. And they got one each side of her and they ran up the street giggling their heads off. And she was completely and utterly healed. And I mean, and, and we just go, oh, isn't that wonderful? That only happens in America. Uh, only happens in India. <laughs> you know, but I've got news for you. It's going to happen in Australia. Amen. It's going to happen in Australia. And it's not so much going to be from the pulpit anymore. It's going to be you people out in the streets doing the work and the ministry of the Lord. And so to do that, we need to be hearing God. We need to be hearing God and saying, God, well, okay, how do we get from here to there? (laughs) It's okay to say, go and heal the sick. I mean, even I uh, just, um, you know, just, yeah, sure. I've tried that and didn't work. So, but God is teaching us, amen? Like a father teaches his children, God is teaching us how do we do this stuff and how do we get it released? and uh i, I I've, it's in my heart right now, and God is revealing to me and it's always been preached that there's a price to pay there's a price to pay for the anointing and we were told that as young ministers there's a price to pay for the anointing, and we know that we know that it's in consecration, we know that it's in you know a, 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 a sinless clean life we know that it's you know, dying to self and the things that are in the secret place when you're alone with God, who are you then? And all that sort of stuff, we know that. But the Lord is revealing to me on top of that, the greatest price that we can pay for the anointing of God is time and intimacy with Him. I have never seen anyone that does anything of significance ever on this earth that does not have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and with the Father God. You see, even the disciples, they said they were doing these amazing things, turning the known world upside down, and all the Pharisees could say is, it's obvious these men have been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. And I think that's the only price that we don't pay is a Western culture, and it's called time, T-I-M-E. Because we're so um, comfortable, and we're just so... Busy doing nothing, really. We're so busy doing nothing. If we could just get busy being with God, we would accomplish all that we need to accomplish and we would go and turn the known water upside down all at the same time before lunch. Amen. And so this is our struggle. And last Sunday night, I began to unpack what I believe the keys that God is giving us. Everyone say keys? You know, there are keys to the kingdom of God and there are keys to every heart and there are keys to every nation. And uh, put up your hand if you're here on Sunday night. Okay, maybe put your hands down, put your hands if you weren't here. Okay, so I need to really recap what I what I talked about last Sunday so we're all on the same page. And also the CD, the the recording didn't work. So, and it's a series, and we definitely need the first part of the series. It's on, it's on the, it's on the internet, and you can listen to it. But I hiccup every now and again, and I stutter quite a lot, and it's all good. And I got healed after that. Amen. (laughs) I'm healed. Um, Yeah. So, so last Sunday night, I began to touch on what I believe God is saying to us as a nation. How do we get this intimacy? If intimacy is the key, if intimacy is the price that we pay to carry the anointing, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to save the lost, to turn the known world upside down, how do we get that intimacy? And if we aren't getting it, what is the blockage that's stopping us getting it? Because God certainly wants to have intimacy with us. And we certainly want to have intimacy with him. Is that right? But what is stopping us? And I talked about in, in the nations of the earth how there are strongholds over certain nations. And the scriptures tell us that, and I, I, I could go into a teaching on that, but we won't go there today. You know, Daniel, when he was praying, you know, and the, the angel of the Lord said, I tried to get you, but the prince of Persia stopped me. The prince of Persia was the stronghold over that nation, the strong man over that nation. And uh, it took 15 days for him to get through to Daniel. There are strongholds over nations, amen. And I mentioned last week that, you know, if you look at other countries, say America, you would know the stronghold is probably pride over that nation. Um, and, that you know, there are positive aspect, aspects to that, and negative aspects to that. Uh, the stronghold over a lot of Southeast Asia would be idolatry and poverty. Idolatry, which results in poverty, amen. And, and so on and so forth. So over Australia, the stronghold that we have over Australia is rejection. And I explain that that comes from our roots. That comes from the way that this country was established. Who knows that roots are very, very, very important? They're very important, and they mean things. And so when we were placed in this nation, or, or the, the white population came to this nation, um, they came and were actually sent here as outcasts, as rejects, and and they were basically—you know—they were sent here with not enough food to survive with not enough things to survive with. And and actually, you know, England, who sent the convicts here, basically thought, we'll just send them to that island until they die. And they've only got enough supplies to last a certain amount of time, and then we can just wipe them out, you know. Uh, but the good old Aussie spirit rose up, and the good old Aussie spirit said, we shall not die, you know. Um, the good Aussie battler was born, and the Aussie battler began to fight, and the Aussie battler survived, amen. To this day, the Aussie battler survives by battling. And, uh, and of course the Aboriginals that were here and my forefathers were slaughtered and so there's a whole bunch of rejection and pain and stuff that goes with that. And so we really have a stronghold. Of the roots of our land are in rejection. And therefore, you know, as we begin to rise up, as Christians and we come into the family of God and we say, you know, God loves you, la, 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 la. But there's always that place in us that really can't accept that. You know, even as brothers and sisters, you know, if I said to you today, you know, I just I really love you, Bridget. And you go, mm, that's really nice, Pastor Lee, but deep down inside your heart goes, yeah, but if you really knew me, you weren't loving me so much. Because we don't like ourselves very much. We're, we're a gentle, kind people, but we're really, really, really insecure. And so we, we have this thing where we just, you know, kind of hold people in a safe place, not too close, uh, not going to open up too much because I might get hurt. There's always the fear of being hurt, the fear of being rejected. And so we can close off a whole bunch. Anybody feel like that at times? Or is it just me? Um, but James 14, 18 and we we won't put these scriptures up just for time because I'm just going to skim through I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you I will not leave you as orphans this this rejection I believe has taken on a spirit that the Lord revealed to me in the last couple of weeks is an orphan spirit it's like we feel like we're orphans like we never fit like we never belong you know, like there's just no place for us to be. God is a father, amen? And he wants us to understand that we're not orphans, that we're not rejects, that we haven't been cast away, that we haven't been rejected, But God is our father. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son that we might become sons and daughters of God. Amen. In Galatians 4, it says this, 4 to 7, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, and I said last week, sons as daughters so we just interpret it that way because you are sons and daughters God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls our other father so you are no longer a slave but a son and since you are a son God has made you an heir Inside of us is the spirit of Jesus, is that right? If you're born again today, did you receive Jesus inside of you? Amen. Does Jesus live on the inside of you? Does he cry out from inside of you? Here it says here that the spirit, the spirit calls out inside of us and it calls out Abba Father and Abba translated is Daddy. So Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, everything inside of us is trying to cry out in an intimate way to our Father, trying to cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, father but everything inside of us because of the rejection over our nation pushes that down i can't call god daddy i can't be that close to god if i call him that he's going to cast me away and i you know and all these things are wrong with me and how can i go to god and call him daddy when all these things are wrong with me i don't even like myself i don't even want to look in the mirror i don't like the way i talk the way i walk i'm too fat too skinny i'm this i'm that i'm not smart enough i'm too smart you know and we go through all this rejection thing instead of crying out, Abba, Father. And Jesus so wants to cry out to our Father from within us. Our spirits are groaning, wanting to release those words, but they get stuck here. We want to go, Abba, Father, Daddy, my Daddy, my Daddy. We want to belong. Everybody wants to belong. Everybody needs to belong. We were created to belong. In the garden when God created us, we walked with Him, we talked with Him daily. We abided with Him. He was with us. We belonged. We belonged. We were made to belong. And when man sinned, we were separated from God and all of a sudden we didn't belong anymore. We are just wandering. We're lost. We're searching. What are we searching for? What are we searching for our whole lives? We're searching for our Father. We're asking that our Father will adopt us back into his family, the family that we lost back in the garden, the place where we belonged, the Father who gives us identity and meaning and and life and and throws away all of our rejection and breaks through. Amen. Amen. We've been separated from God's fathering. and This this was a plan. This was a plan that Satan had because he, he hated it. Can you imagine how he felt? He was close to God in heaven. He was right there with God in heaven. And he didn't want to just be an angel. He wanted to be special to God. He wanted to be, you know, created like us, to be a child of God, to be a son of God. And he got angry and he got jealous and he got prideful and he rose up and he challenged God that he was as good as God and he was cast to the earth. And then along comes this creation. And what does God say? And God says, after he creates woman, this is the crown of all creation. You know, this is it. I have all this love to give, says God, and I need to create something to give it to. And so he created man and woman in his own image. He created them to love them. The enemy gets upset with that. He doesn't want God to love us. He doesn't want you to belong. He wants you to roam around your whole life never belonging anywhere so he can pick you off. He doesn't want you to belong to a church. He wants you to be out there saying, I don't, I don't believe in church anymore. I'm a home group now. So that he can pick you off. Amen? Because Jesus... Declare to us that the Father, the Father, the Father, the Father, the Father, the Father, the Father. He talked about the Father so many times. You Google it. I mean, just go Father. How many times did Jesus say it? And He came to reveal the Father. He came to give us back our Father. He came to reverse the curse from the garden and bring us home. Amen. How many times have you heard people say when they get born again, I feel like I've come home because it's true. But why do they lose that? Why don't their roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love? Why don't their roots go down deep? Because the rejection in our land, like a vulture, comes to pick them off. I don't know you think God loves you, you don't know. and see, here's Jesus, and he's about to be baptized. Amen john the baptist and john the baptist sees him coming and says behold the lamb of god that takes away the sins of the whole world and jesus goes into the water and he's baptized and it says and a dove descends from heaven and lands upon him and a voice audibly comes out of heaven it says in the scriptures they heard it and he says this is my son behold everybody listen this is my son Today, I am declaring that I am reinstating myself as father. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. If you listen to him, you understand that you are my children. If you listen to him, you understand that I am your father. He was reinstating the fatherhood of God again on the earth. He was making a way for us. As Daniel said, he was ripping the temple curtain in two. And declaring that I have come to be a father to all, amen, through the death of my son, Jesus Christ. And so immediately after this, immediately after this, Jesus is taken into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, there is Satan. Forty days in the wilderness and Satan comes to tempt him. And do you know the very, very first thing that Satan says to him? And we miss this sometimes because we think about, you know, turn the rock to bread, do this, do that, do that. But the very first thing he says to him, if, if you are the son of God, if you are the son, if he really is a father, if you are the son of God, and do you know the minute we get born again, the devil comes to us with the same thing because he wants to break down that fatherhood of God. He wants to smash it in your mind that you would ever dare think that God could be your father. And when you're born again, he'll come to you straight away and say, if you are the son of God, if you are the daughter of God, then do this, do that, do that, do this and prove it. Go heal the sick, prove it. And then you can't heal the sick, it doesn't work and you don't feel like it. See, God doesn't want us to go and heal the sick so that we can prove to him that we're anything. So we can get brownie points, so we can stand up and share a testimony so everybody thinks we're great. Our rejection would want us to do that. That's why he needs to heal it. Amen. God wants to heal the sick because he wants his children to know that they're his children too. Same as us. Amen. So since the beginning of time, Satan's been trying to destroy this this idea that God's father and you're a child, you're a daughter and a son of the living God. Amen. And so God says that he has adopted us back into his family. And I want you to understand before we go on that when we think of adoption, we think that you're not part of the family at all, never were. And then you get adopted because you're a reject, an outcast, and nobody wants you, no one loves you, so your mows will come live with this family. That's our idea of adoption in our Western culture. That is not the idea of adoption in the Bible. The idea of adoption in the Bible is that you belong, you strayed, and you're adopted back in. You belong, you strayed, and you're adopted back in. And I explained on Sunday night the story of the prodigal son. I'm going to go into that in this series. I want to go deeper into that story of the prodigal son. But that is an example of that kind of adoption where the son said, I want my inheritance. He got his inheritance from his father. He went out and squandered it, did all the kind of bad living, you know, and blew his whole inheritance and was eating with the pigs. And then he says, I might as well go home to my father's house because I could be a slave or a servant in my father's house and live better than I'm living right now. That's in his mind. I could just be a slave. I could just... And he runs home to his father to just say, I'm just going to be a slave in your house. I know I blew it. But the father is waiting there, it says, with open arms. And he invites his son back. And he brings him back and he puts on a robe of righteousness on his shoulders. He kills a fatted calf, has a big party. He puts, he puts, um, shoes on his feet, which declare that when you, you never had shoes if you were a slave. You only had shoes if you were a son. He puts shoes on his feet to declare to him that you are my son. He put a ring on his finger to declare that he could do business in the father's name. Amen. And he rejoiced. And the eldest son came in who had not, and I've always been there, I've always been here. And the eldest son comes in and he's, you know, he's like, I've always been here, I've always done everything right and you've never done any of this for me. And he turns around to the eldest son, and he said, you could have had your inheritance any time you wanted it, it's always been here. It's always been here. You just never knew, you never took it, you never took advantage of the inheritance and I want to take you there in the next couple of weeks. I want to teach you how to, how to get your inheritance from God, even if you're a son in the house now, amen? Not just sitting around waiting for it to happen one day, but to bring it down. But the next statement he made was profound. He said to his son, Behold, my son was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. And when you're born again, when you are adopted into the family of God, you are getting adopted back in, amen, back into the family of God. And uh, I just want to read you a scripture. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5 says, For he chose you, Ephesians 1, 4 to 5, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Amen. It was predestined. I I talked about last week, last Sunday, how um, we had adopted a little boy, when I was a child and there was five children in my family and, um, and my mother fell in love with this little boy who was deaf, he'd been beaten severely, he'd been uh, abused by witches and he was just a mess, he was only three and, but mum fell in love with him and God said to her, this is your son take him home And so she brought this little boy home into our family, the youngest of six children. And the welfare, because he was a foster child, the welfare bought a whole wardrobe for us, for him, of clothes, he never had any clothes. And when we went to visit him in the home, the orphanage, before we got him, um, they said to us, you know, he usually only wears a nappy and a singlet because he never gets up in time to fight with other kids because it's first up best dressed and he never gets clothes so he's not used to wearing clothes because he's not strong enough to fight and he doesn't make a sound, he just sits in the corner and he doesn't associate with anyone he won't let anyone touch him, he screams and kicks if you try and touch him he's like a wild animal really and um, and so we brought him home, he's got this wardrobe of clothes, he's got his own little trundle bed in one of our bedrooms and uh, we said to him, these are your clothes these are yours, these are all yours And so that night he goes to bed for the first night and he's very shy and very quiet, red hair and freckles. And the next morning my mum comes in and he's like sleeping really awkwardly with his pillow up really high and his mattress is all bumpy and he's all like skewed in his bed. And She wonders why and she looks in the wardrobe and the wardrobe's empty. And everything, every article of clothing, shoes, everything was under his mattress, under his pillow because he was so worried someone was gonna take it the next morning because he had an orphan spirit he had an orphan spirit and we would sit him down with you trying to communicate with someone that's Jeff is very awkward
1: these are yours
0: he was trying these are your clothes you don't have to hide them they're yours no one's going to take them you own them it's your right as a son of this house you are now a son of this house you're not an orphan, you're a son. You're my brother. I used to tell you, you're my brother. I'm your sister. You don't have to be afraid. And we spend hours trying to get him to make sounds. As children, we sowed into his life. You know, when someone gets born again in this church and they get adopted back into the family of God, I love it the way you people get around them as brothers and sisters and begin to sow into their lives and help them grow. It's so special. And we began to sew into his life as brothers and sisters, and we'd have a, a roster where we would have to sit there. He had to do like a couple of hours a day of just learning sounds because he could. He was mute, and they were trying to get him to make sounds. And we, you know, you'd have to put your hand up here, you know, mum, 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 and you feel the vibration, and we put out mum, 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 you know, and things like that, and you know, apple, apple. And you feel the wind on your hand and we try and get him to make noises and we'd show him, it was like, apple, apple. And we'd put our hand in front of his mouth and he'd go, you know, just nothing. And I remember the first day that he made a sound, we were chasing him around the yard and just this huge laugh, like, ah, ha, 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 came out of his mouth and we all just fell over Oh, my God, we ran to mom, mom, he made a sound, he laughed, you know. And she was so excited, David, you made a sound and he was oh he didn 't understand because he couldn 't hear himself and um, and it was so amazing, but you know that there's that spirit of independence that gets in an orphan spirit there 's that anger and that rejection and and that independent spirit that gets in there and just says, you know, I can do it myself. I don't need you. I'm not really part of this family. I'm just going to keep my bag kind of nearly packed because any minute you're going to reject me and I'll be gone. How many you live in church like that? Amen. I'll just stick around this church until somebody looks cross-eyed at me and then I'll be out of here because I knew you didn't like me in the first place anyway and pastor didn't even say hello to me this morning and last week he did that means he's got something against me now I knew I was going to blow up I'm going to leave this church Go to another one and around and around and around we go and he was like that no matter what we did we could not convince him we couldn't convince him that we loved him that he was our brother my mother would say you are my son you're my son you're my son but he just couldn't get it through his head you know what I mean and the very first words that he that he said would he dropped an egg on the floor and my sister said to him, pick it up. And he looked at her and he said, you'll pick it up. Like that. And that were his first words. And, and um, it was that independent spirit saying, I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna tell you lot what I think about you. And uh, it was a heck, it was a heck of a time raising that kid. And he took his hearing aids out and he threw them down drains because he didn't like wearing them and we had to fish them out of the drain and, and you know, all this stuff. It was a heck of a time. But he's, I'm telling you, it took about three years before he would sleep without, without shoes on. Because he had to have his shoes on or they were going to be stolen. It took ages before he'd go to bed without his pockets full of peas. Peas. He'd get them off the table and put them in his pockets so he could have them later. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's that orphan spirit, amen. Heidi Baker runs an orphanage in Africa and she said that when the kids come in, and um, they're orphans and They're filthy, they stink They come off the street She she can take one at a time or two at a time Into her home And she takes them in She says, go and have a bath First thing, go have a bath, you stink and So They go in and they have a bath She said, every time, without fail She would go in there And they would have stolen the soap Every time She laughs to herself She smiles to herself Oh, here we go She sits them down She says, see this soap? It's yours You you don't have to steal it. You own it. You own it. It's yours, amen? And they just can't get that into their head. It takes ages. And they put bread rolls in their pockets and they take food to bed because it's like we may not get another meal. You know, and we can live, if we've got a spirit of rejection, we've got an orphan spirit in us, we can live like that with God. We can. We always feel like You know, when Andrew was saying, God is the God of abundance and he wants to pour out. I bet you every one of you was sitting there, yeah, not on me, but he might pour it out on some American guy or, you know, or someone else, but not on me. We have this whole rejection thing. Is this good? Amen. I think I'm only just going to recap this today and do the second part that i was going to do today another time because it's so powerful and there's so many people that weren't here last sunday night i think we need to get this as a church it's so important that we get this as a church when we have an orphan spirit we don't put roots down we don't trust we remain independent and we don't believe that we're entitled to the father's inheritance Amen. Romans 8, 16 to 17 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now we are, we are children, then we are heirs. Amen. When the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, how should we pray? And Jesus said this, pray like this, Our Father, who art in heaven. And I think many of us have a reference to Jesus, we can relate to Jesus. He walked on the earth, he understood us, he died a sinless death, he was rejected, he was persecuted, you know, we can relate to him. We can pray to Jesus, we can get close to Jesus, but when he says pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, it's like whoa, you want me to pray straight to the Father? You want me to have a relationship? Jesus came to reveal the Father. Everything that he spoke about was, I don't do anything unless the Father says, my Father did this. If you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. I come to reveal the Father. I come to reveal the Father. I come to reveal the Father. And when you're born again, Jesus, the greatest desire of Jesus' heart is to reveal the Father to you. To let you have an intimate relationship with his Father the way that he did. He didn't move without hearing the father's voice he couldn't breathe without hearing his father he would draw away to mountainsides to be with his father he never laid hands on the sick without his father first saying he didn't move without him and he wants us in these days that we live in right now to have this close intimate working relationship with the father god the Father wants to reveal himself to us as Aussie, Aussie, Aussies, oi, oi, oi. The Father wants to come and pour so much love on us and not have it return and bounce back to him because of the rejection that's in our hearts. Jesus said, I come to bind up the brokenhearted. He's come to break the chains. He's come to set the captives free, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be captive. I don't want to be captive to rejection. I don't want to live in this place anymore. I don't want to be proud. You know, there was a prophecy from Smith Wigglesworth that said that this is the great southland of the Holy Spirit and that we would see the greatest visitation of God that would usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ in this nation. It would start here. When we were speaking to this young man, 30 years old, preaching the gospel around the earth, firebrand of revival. Um, What's his name? Jeremy Nelson. He said, and it confirmed to us what other prophets had said to us over the last 15 years. We've been hearing prophets say, The whole world is waiting for Australia to grow up. See, when you have a spirit of rejection, you're stuck. Emotionally stuck in infancy or as a teenager. And in the spirit, you just can't grow up. Because it's the affirmation of the Father that makes you come into adulthood. It's the affirmation of the Father they say that, psychologists say, unless a girl gets an affirmation from her father, she will never discover her own identity. That's in the natural. We know in God we discover identity. If a man does not, just, does not have the affirmation of his father by the age of 12, he will never come into manhood. That's why the, 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 the Israeli custom, the Jewish custom, was that they would put their sons on their shoulders when they were turning 13 and they would walk them through the city streets to the gates where all the elders say and they would boast and yell out, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Because they knew that was the way that their son would come into manhood. Many of us have never had that affirmation of our own fathers and that's the next part of my message, amen. But the Father God, the Father God wants to give that to you. He wants to reveal to you who you are. He wants to give you identity, Vicky. Amen. He wants to call you into manhood, gentlemen. And it's never too late. It's never too late. And as a nation, as we come into maturity, they say that a revival is going to start here, That is it's going to go out over the nations of the world. Why would God use us? touch the nations of the earth? I'll tell you this, he'll use us because we don't think we're much good and we'll let him do it. And as he heals our heart, we won't rise up in pride. We'll be so humble. We'll be so sold out. We'll be so broken at his feet that he will just be able to do it through a simple, gentle, humble people called Aussies. Amen. We can do it. Amen. This, this, this orphan spirit is the thing that keeps us bound. And the thing we need to get inside of us is a spirit of sonship. It's the opposing spirit to the orphan spirit. And if we have a look in Romans 8:15, it says this. And I'm closing on this. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. You received the, the spirit of daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba Father. By him we cry, Daddy, Father. Let's stand to our feet. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Name. Can I just I'm just gonna pray this and I'm gonna ask the team and the music team to come back in a minute. I just wanna pray this first. Just lift that up, Lisa. Just every eye closed right across this place. This is really important. I'm just doing what God told me to do. Amen. Don't shut off. Don't shut down. Don't go, okay, what's for lunch? Just stay connected with me for one minute. Will you do that? Amen. Just begin to pray in the Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Just begin to pray in the Spirit right across this room. Thank you, Lord. Let me hear you. Come on. Open up your spirit to God right now. If you you can't pray in the spirit, just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You're opening up your heart to God. That's what you're doing. Amen. Amen. Okay, now listen to me. Don't pray now. Just listen. The scriptures say this. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus was giving us authority that we don't have to come under these things, but we can bind them in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I take authority over rejection, over the orphan spirit, over our people, over this church, over every congregational member of this church, in the name of Jesus Christ, over the heavenlies, over this church, over this building, over these grounds, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I bind right now the orphan spirit I bind rejection in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. I bind it in Jesus' name right now. I loosen off people's lives in Jesus' name. I declare freedom over minds, over hearts, that walls over the next few weeks are gonna come down over hearts in Jesus' mighty name, that we will learn how to trust, we'll learn how to put our roots down, We'll learn how to love. We'll learn how to receive our inheritance. We'll learn intimacy with the Father in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And right now, right across this auditorium, right now, and those that are listening on this recording, I release in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth the spirit of sonship, the spirit of sonship, the spirit of daughtership in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Music team, come. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, clap. Say you feel free in Jesus' name. Come on, clap. Clap in Jesus' name. Come on, keep clapping. Keep clapping. As you clap, you're free in Jesus' name. There is a spiritual significance in hand clapping. Demons flee in the name of Jesus Christ demons flee in Jesus name I declare freedom freedom I declare freedom